Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. It didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars, if I had Bay Station Jacks, on tomorrow, man. We're on the board on this Tuesday after Labor Day. SB Futures down nine and a quarter. They were down a little bit, and all of a sudden, the last couple of minutes, they've dipped a little more. As they down 56, they were just down like four and 20, but now... Uh, in the last really minute and a half, they all of a sudden dropped here some. I haven't seen any news. Do we have Mr. Brandon? I am here, Chief. How are you, bud? Looks like looks like you're on uh, winter schedule now after Labor Day. Move um, to the winter schedule. Well, one thing about it, it's dark out. Yes. So we got that going yep. for us in the morning. For a while, it was light out, you know, which is nicer. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I agree with you. I'm out in the middle of the woods right now, and it's pretty dark. I can't even see the sunlight coming through the trees yet. That's because it isn't. <laughs> what's 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 uh, uh sunrise? What like six twenty now or six fifteen? Yeah, he's in Michigan though. That makes it seven oh five a.m. There. Well, that's that's true. right. Well, but I mean, it's still it's only like a few miles away. It's not that much. The sun doesn't See, know. Maddie's on the time. ball, even though it's winter schedule. Maddie's on the ball. He picked up on that right away. Being in the woods, not being on the on the lake front. So if we if we change our time, the, the sun moves differently. Well, it moves based on <laughs> however many miles he is east. Yeah, I don't know how many miles it is. But not very many. Not enough to do what you think it's doing. I bet it's maybe twenty minutes difference, right? <laughs> I think it is at least twenty minutes. It might yeah, not be a full probably. hour, but. Well, where's the? I don't know where's. Where's the middle of the central time zone, and where's the middle of the eastern? I'm going to say the middle of the eastern is probably... Well, we're, we're on the far western end of the eastern time zone, because right. the, the time change is right at the Michigan-Indiana border over here. When, right. we cross, when we cross the line from Indiana to Michigan, or Michigan-Indiana, time changes. Cross the line. It's like football. The line, you know? <laughs> the line. By the way, uh, are you happy that uh, both the two most loved coaches, Kelly and Sweeney, both lost? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? My note, yeah. my Notre Dame buddies were all over that LSU game, <clears throat> and they, you know, obviously can't stand Kelly. <laughs> but, but other than the well, fact that he's gone, my my question is, what kind of an accent is he going to use now? Is he is he going to take another <laughs> oh. draw or something now that he, he's lost? Is uh, is he going to go <laughs> back to his? Uh, uh, Boston accent, or or what happened? I don't know. That He's was a, the funniest thing. The Irish Catholic Boston guy doing the Southern accent to fit in at LSU was was freaking hilarious. Yeah, On his a, first interview. What do you think of Duke Clabber in uh, uh, Clemson last night? Uh, I I didn't see the game last night. Oh, they I, uh, well, Clemson boy, made a bunch of amazing. mistakes, and then then they should have been winning, but then they weren't, and Duke just poured. They they tried to come back, and they kept throwing interceptions. It was. Uh, they missed two field goals and they fumbled twice inside the ten, and then Duke just ran away with it. It just 
And what's his name? Well, you know, I, I don't think any of this matters because I think Colorado's going to run the table and be the national champs. You know, Georgia beware. Colorado's going to be the new oh, king. Oh, God. It's, uh, there, was a, there was a guy calls in. I just I was listening to Cubs, so I had the score on. And I don't usually listen to the score that much. but uh, So I turn it on it Saturday morning or Saturday. I'm driving down to Audrey's. And uh, they get this guy who calls in. Such well, let's put it this way: he, he, he's so far out there that he almost made sense. Was, is, is, it, is, it, is it is it pop? You know, is it the guy? He's outraged about this nil stuff. These guys, they're just going from school to school and, and, and on their own. Which this is this is an outrage. <laughs> he goes, what if what if a bunch of them decide to go to one place that nobody likes and like nobody heard of and have a really good team and uh, and all of a sudden win something? <laughs> Then he goes like Colorado. Well, like, yeah, like Colorado. And then, they, then he goes, uh, "Why is it like this? Is, this is how, how much the people have been told. Well, I'll use the term brainwashed. Why, why is it like the pros, pros where you got like trade guys? Well, first of all, the idea, the idea of, of uh, trading somebody is, is so ridiculous. Anyway, I mean, we, we've gotten we've gotten into it with the three or the four monopolies, right? But I mean, the idea mm-hmm. of of having to trade somebody from an accounting firm to another accounting firm." Just because it's your sports and you you get a you get a you know you get a, a shot of Viagra off it doesn't mean that it's yep. right at all. I mean I don't think, but they should have to trade these guys. The idea of one guy going one place or another on his own this is this is nuts. <laughs> I, I listened to this, I was dying laughing, but you know what? I guess it made some sort of sense. I don't know. <laughs> it's every team all they do is talk about. And Matty was moving in. He had a chance to watch every team. This guy, this guy was this school. Who was the guy last night? Was on a. He started out at uh, Duke, went to Northwestern. Now he's back at Duke. He did it twice. Did the re, re, Then he said, "No, I like it better at Duke." And they said, "Okay, you can come back." It, it is totally out of hand. This kid, this, yeah. court, this well, quarterback in Notre Dame is like a man of boy. There's going to be a world of change. I don't know if this will ever settle down into a regular routine, but certainly I think for the next five to ten years, there's going to be a lot of this where you're going to see teams like Colorado go from one and 11 to national champs potentially within a year because of the NIL and because of the the transfer portals. Um, And then things will finally settle down. But, you know, think about, and I know this is an ancient philosophy, but think about when you used to be able to name a baseball team starting lineup for three years in a row and know who the guys were. And now you're lucky if you know who's on the team by the end of the season because of all the transfers. Well, that's true, and I, I, uh, I think though, isn't it going to cut back? Is it next year? Maybe we, we, everybody loses the COVID year, so you only got one more year of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it'll it'll settle down a little bit. I mean, this kid at uh, Notre Dame is in his sixth year. Right. Um, yeah. So that that will end a little bit, but I think with the transfer portal. And uh, the coaches moving around and NIL deals, uh, it, it, we're in for a, a, an earthquake movement compared to what we were pre-COVID. I just wonder, I mean, we've been, you know, it's all, all speculation, but I just wonder where, where it's all going to land. I, I think some schools are, after a few years, are going to say they don't want any part of it. By the way, Matty, the, uh, are, are Oregon State and Washington State, they're still odd men out? They're, they still don't have a conference? As far as I know. They're the Pac-2. Also, yeah, the uh, so Stanford, Cal, and SMU of all places went to the ACC over the weekend. I thought I thought they were going to the Big West. No, no, they went. They went to the ACC. 
No, no, no. I, I'm sorry. Washington and Oregon, Washington State and Oregon. I, I thought they were going to go to the Big West. Well, I, I think that's where they're going to land. I don't know if they've made an announcement yet. I mean, I, everybody's assuming where else they're going to go. Let's put it that way. That's right. So that's going to be the oddest thing out there. I mean, uh, I, I, I can't imagine where every single team has got. They're, they're in a conference a gazillion miles away, but they sort of are. Yeah, <clears throat> it, it doesn't make it doesn't make a lot of sense except when you think about the television revenue for them. You well, don't think uh, the Rutgers volleyball team is going to enjoy the travel to L.A. to play, <laughs> to play UCLA from uh, from New Jersey? Depends on how much UCLA. beach time they get afterwards. They can they can start <laughs> playing beach volleyball. I mean that it is pretty crazy. Well, Matt, you weren't part of the uh, the debate started after Tuesday last week because I, of course, was uh, you know ruffling the feathers of everybody, which. Um, you can do, and I, well, I can do. I mean, you can, <laughs> because the uh, I was talking about how you, if you just follow the money, none of this, none of the current system makes any sense. I mean, if I mean, there, if you're going to uh, worry yourself about tuition, okay. Now I understand that the variable cost of another student isn't the same as the listed cost. I mean, I get it, but uh, if you're just going to go down this road where you're going to have football becomes like a, a sponsored professional team, which it really is. There's no way on earth that you're given the the. I, if you just follow the money, not this is not what you want to do or how things ought to be. I don't. I don't think you. There's a snowball's chance in hell that you give the the, the, the lady fencing team or the guys wrestling team a scholarship and fly them across the country for a match. There's no way you do that. It makes zero sense. And if the only way you did it now is because of the alleged uh, not paying people, football making the money, and somehow paying for this other stuff. But I, I don't. If I send my kid to Notre Dame, I don't want him paying more or me paying more for tuition because we're flying the the girls' fencing team somewhere, and those girls aren't paying. Scott, this is not about girls. The men's wrestling team. Say, what? Make that be a club sport. Play to people around you. This, Go on a bus. This is going to be a whole new meaning for the cross country team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what, what what is the point? Why does that kid deserve a scholarship? It's a it's a club sport. Screw mm-hmm. it. I mean, I mean, I mean, if you're going to have a sponsored football, basketball, maybe girls basketball, some southern schools, possibly baseball, why why what are the other people there for? Why do you get to give another two hundred scholarships to people to play stuff nobody cares about? Or there's no revenue to it. Why why should my tuition be more for that? Is my is my point? That, that's a valid point. I think that's going to be raised in the future. But also, that kind of undercuts the the idea, one of the ideas for scholarships, and that's to provide um, student athletes who come from less privileged backgrounds the opportunity to go to college because they're good at a sport. Okay, but and to I, develop I, their character in sports as well as their educational background. I, I, that's the theory. I know it is, and and that's going to go by the wayside pretty quickly. Uh, well, because if it's all money, if it's not worth it, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. And and because when on the one hand, you know, it's, it's so bizarre. We we fight all these. This is kind of the theme of the show. Matty, Matty's been here so many years. Doesn't even know what my themes are. I think he does probably does. But every everything you do, there's like two themes. You can't do just one thing. Whatever you do, you disturb a bunch of other stuff, and also. Everything everything depends on everything else. I mean, if if you're going to sit there and go, we got all these student loan problems. Well, I'm going to I'll one of the podiums I'll get on is my economic podium and say, hey, idiots, 
the reason why the student loan problems are there, the reason why we're having this debate whether kids should go to college or not, Governor Pritzker was out the other day. All kids maybe shouldn't go to college. The reason why they shouldn't all go to college is colleges cost three times more than they ought to, maybe three and a half. If, if, if they cut them back down to a real number for education, and get rid of, all this other crap's going to go, Brennan. All of it's going to go. You're not going to. If, if I go to Saint Xavier's for a business school, cheaper than I would to some other place because it's on 103rd and God knows where, but Cicero, I'm not paying for ten of those kids to fly to L.A. to play volleyball. I'm sorry. I mean, if, if you're going right. to, I mean, you're just. I mean, I don't know if we're going to go there or not, but that's. But if if you're going to go there, th- this is all the same subject, right? <clears throat> yep. And I, you know, I don't know. I have, no, right. I have no idea what the solution is. God, God help me. I'm going to come well, one, solution, of, but... one of the other solutions, one of the other problems that I see this is the um, the the need to support the whether it's a revenue generating sport or any other sport with the facilities. I, I mean, think about the cost of the stadium. Think about the cost of the workout facilities to attract the top edge students. And um, I mean, those, we're talking about big bucks here for that. Some of which is financed by the by the alumni. But a lot of that goes from tuition costs too, and you know, at what point is it too much? And you're going to lose that competitive edge when you have more people in the NIL. When instead of just the facilities, uh, you may have people with uh, side deals, not just um, working, you know, cleaning up, acting as a janitor of the car, local car dealership in the summer because you're a good football player, um, whether you clean up the floors or not, but you still get a car um, to the other advantages that are going for all the students, the student athletes. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, I'm saying it's all it's all about does this money really go to the school or mm-hmm. let's say the Pac-10 is going to get what do you think the number is, Matty, in terms of TV revenue, is it thirty five million more in the Big Ten or somewhat? Is that the estimate? That's why they're all leaving. It's that sounds about right. Something like that. So, is is any? But they're not all getting the money. Uh, in in the you know some of them are taking a, a pass on getting money for a couple of years or only a partial payment for the couple of years to make this work for them long term. Well, I mean, is is the money in UCLA? Is it, I guess what I'm what I'm going with is is it ever going to leave the athletic department? Probably is it, not. Is I it just going to be more more flights, more mm-hmm. more charter jets, more coaches, salaries, more? What was Kevin was reading off last week? The uh, I don't know if you guys were listening. He was reading off the, what do you call it, the organization chart of uh, of Notre Dame, of the athletic department. You know, sports information director for, like, the cross-country team. Like, what, what really? I, mean, I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know what they do, but they, well, obviously they do something about sports information. It's, I mean, there, there, there's dozens and dozens of people in there. Now, are they going to soak it all up, or is, or is it actually going to spit towards tuition? I'm going to say it doesn't spit toward tuition. Well, you know the answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> or is it, are we talking coaches' salaries, or what are we doing here? Are these players going to start? Yeah, and, 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 you know, I mean, you, you think about a guy like Nick Saban or Brian Kelly when he was recruited to LSU or uh, Deion Sanders going to Colorado. They're not doing that for chump change. They're, no. You know, they're they're using their leverage. to, And, you know, we've talked about it on the show many times, how oftentimes the, the basketball coach or the football coach are the highest paid uh, employees for many state universities. I'm going to say by uh, a large number. I'm going to say 45 states. Is their highest paid public employee? Is either the football or the basketball coach? 
And I, I think that's probably a, a, a good number. Maddie can do the, the, the quick research on it, but I, I think that's probably fair Is my to, to make that statement. And by a large margin. And, yeah. and then you think about who they hire as their coordinators in football or you know, their, their bench coaches in basketball. And um, it, it's insane. Well, Lovey Smith was by far the highest paid public employee in Illinois. When yeah. close, he was like four times the governor. Mm-hmm. And then before COVID, whenever we used to go work out at the club, before the club kind of closed down uh, for a while, my, my Notre Dame grad buddy, uh, Dick Belden, who's like, he's maybe four or five years older than me, maybe more than that, because his brother played on, his younger brother played on the 66 team. Then he went on and got a uh, Super Bowl ring at Dallas. Um, anyway, so I said to Beldo, <laughs> so Beldo, here are like 45 of the states the country, the highest paid guy is the uh, football or basketball coach. And he goes, yeah, Tommy, really, why would anybody want to live in those five other states? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so it's all, it's all a question of point of view, <laughs> I guess. Hey, uh, we did some uh, work on Friday, kind of changing topic to begin. It's all about information or disinformation. Uh, well, before I say I have, I'll ask you straight out, is a, is a, a Chicago South Sider are you astounded with how, how well they've covered up the shooting in Sox Park? Oh, God, this is incredible. Yeah. Your buddy <laughs> Reinsdorf, nobody <laughs> I, got a gun in here. Nope. Well, somebody no, got I, shot without a gun, right? <laughs> how that work? Somebody got shot without a gun. And I, I like the one theory that um, the woman who, who got shot in the leg uh, brought the gun in in the folds of her fat. <laughs> I thought it was the lady next to her to get the, the, uh, the, the, the burn on her belly. That she was the one, but, but yeah. still, you know, the, the idea that, that somebody was able to get through the magnetometer is because the gun was in the folds of her fat. Well, I, uh, <laughs> I'm not an expert on this stuff, but I, I, I will say this. I, I believe, I believe those things have an intensity dial mm-hmm. on them, a pretty serious one. Because some, mm-hmm. some airports, uh, you could tell people would go through and if they got a dime in their pocket. The thing finds oh, it. No, some airports, right you, some airports, you can just pretty much walk right through. There's no way on earth, since you don't have to empty your pockets, you don't have to take your belt off, anything like that. That, that those things are turned up that high at these, these ballparks because everybody goes through pretty uh, fast. Fair point, and, and I do think that regardless of what Reinsdorf says, that it's is very likely to some again. But you know, the other thing is nobody claims to have heard the gunshot. Now, it could be because How the fat was she? playing so well that the fans were, were cheering so loudly that they couldn't hear the gun going off even next to them. Well, did you see the but, film? Uh, there's, there's nothing going on. There, there, I know. Yeah. And, and nobody reacted. I, I mean, nobody reacted immediately after the shot happened. It was a couple of seconds later when the people stood in the aisle and were calling up to security. So the shot wasn't heard. Um, which you know does leave some credence to the fact that, the, that it came from outside the stadium because there have been incidents where people were shot and killed by a gunshot a mile away or half a mile away. But it, it's it's really weird when you think about the, the location around Sox Park and where houses are or really aren't because they've cleared out the whole area around there. Well, you you would have to do a you have to get where you. Does anybody know what an as? I don't even know. You have to do the azimuth study, like a mortar show, right? You'd have mm-hmm. to shoot. You have to shoot it in the air, probably three quarters of a mile away, sort of in the general direction of the park, and have it like lob down into the park. 
You're not going to go through the through the side of the place. There's no direct yeah. line to left field. Well, the, the, do you remember the, the Seinfeld show? Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't watch most of it, but yeah, I remember the show. Do, do you remember the Keith Hernandez incident when they were talking about the spit? The Magic Loogie, yes. The Magic Loogie. Oh, God. Here you go. The Magic Gunshot from outside the stadium. I was thinking the same thing. It, you know, they were doing a play on the uh, JFK movie uh, where, mm-hmm. you know, the, the conspiracy theory of, of where the bullet came in and, you know, was there a second shooter, but they were relaying it to the <laughs> the spitting oh, incident uh, on Seinfeld. Well, I, I know... I, uh, I've been thinking about that this whole time when they're talking about, the, <laughs> you know, where this came from. Well, when Cabrini Green was still up, Odd and I, back when we were young and crazy, we went to some New Year's Eve thing downtown, and on the way back was trying to get to my place in Lincoln Park, and the cops made us go, like, down... Where the hell they made us go? Way down, down like uh, Grand Avenue to Ashland or something, because they said so many people were shooting at the air in, in Cabrini Green that they didn't want anybody bullets landing on people's cars or heads. Because obviously, if they go up, they do come down. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, yep. uh, how many times, if you were a mile away, would you have to take a shot before you landed in the park? I mean, that's that's one hell of a. Sh- I mean, it's either a very random event or something. Hey, uh, let's kind of shift gears a little bit. I, the uh, um, I, we came at we had the uh, by the way anybody who d- didn't listen Friday, uh, Carl did an unbelievable job in these labor numbers with it with like thirty seconds to, to even read into them because there was a uh, uh, somebody sent out somebody uh, somebody named Lou sent out a zero hedge um, article here and it's, it's it's amazing how the disinformation Brendan it's almost I mean it really is. Hitler's big lie. I mean, I'm not saying any of these people are Hitler, but the it, it absolutely is the right. The, the jobs report came out Friday, and all day all day Friday, I'm listening to CNBC, and every one of these people took those numbers and ran with them. This is the absolute Goldilocks thing. Blah 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 blah. It turns out the unadjusted numbers, you lost six hundred seventy-five thousand jobs. And the, the weird part is, is they're they're talking about the Biden administration now, whether they're my 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 opinion is, I mean, which is nothing but an opinion. My opinion is every administration in the last, at least back to Clinton, has seen how much misinformation the, the guys before them have gotten away with, and they press it even further. And it doesn't matter whether you're Democrat or Republican; you just you just push it because you you it's, it's absolutely the Nazi big lie thing. Because now they're talking about how in the last five months. Every single month, every every month in 2023 has been revised lower the next month. Now, that's not random, Brendan. I'm, I'm sorry. If it goes one way one month and one way the next, I get it. We're talking about statistics. These guys are saying that every single month now, they, they, they put this number out there and nobody, ever, nobody even talks about the revision. So you just lob mm-hmm. it out there and people talk about it and they tell everybody how everything's going good. And they have, but some of this, these numbers Friday were absolutely bizarre. They're talking about how... 670,000 full-time jobs lost in two months versus a million part-time surge. Worst unadjusted August payroll since the Great Recession. And we've got uh, the numbers get revised down every single month. And it, what, what are they doing? I mean, we, we, we see the CPI numbers, but I'm, I don't want to talk about those this morning. But they're, they're obscene, too. Is, is, is this just, just a joke? But I, mean, I, I know when I did the CPI numbers at Pullman, the late 70s. Nobody 
the, C, the you know the, the the number was twelve percent inflation. <coughs> Mentally, I would have guessed it was between ten and fourteen. Whether they were exactly correct, I don't know. But they, I thought they were pretty freaking close. And nobody bitched about them. Now I don't. I, these numbers are from Mars. Is, is this to the point where uh, this we have to put up with going forward, or am I wrong? Am I just too sensitive, or what? Well, I think that, that your point that with, when you see a pattern with the numbers changing and revised um, anti-administration, regardless of which administration is, Democrat, Republican, name the president, but when you see the, the numbers changing anti-administration a month or two months afterwards, that shows a disturbing pattern. However, I do think that um, this is not an example to use the, the conception of the big lie. There are too many other things that have been going on right now because the more we talk about the big lie and different things, the more normalized that becomes. So I, I do think that that it is worth looking into, but I don't classify this as a big lie or a conspiracy theory uh, in the way of a big lie and some of the other things that have been going on. So you know, I, I prefer not to normalize uh, this these statistics in that way, but I do agree that when you look to see the, and the fact that the, the, the revision numbers are not given the same amount of credence or the same amount of publicity as the original numbers is disturbing. Why is it changing and why is it changing so much? There's no explanation for it. It's just kind of uh, a, a quiet revision after uh, a month or so with the numbers, which makes each administration look a little bit worse because the employment numbers are up, the un- or the unemployment numbers are up, and the employment numbers are down. Well, don't you... Uh have this feeling though that you know being a south sider as well that if if somebody gets away with something for a while it becomes routine and you push it even further to the point where you don't even know where you're going well i do i do agree with that and i and i think that um that 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 also goes to the lack of character from the um from the so-called experts and the commentators going to their base um, that that they you know anything the other side is, does is bad anything we do is good and you constantly deny I mean there should be people on uh, the side of the administration whichever administration is is in power at the time in, in office at the time should be more forthright in what the numbers are showing and if they've been revised say that you know, the the economic numbers aren't quite as good as we thought they were last week, and here's why. Here's an example of that. We don't see enough of that objective evidence or that calling out of the information. And, yes, because of that, you're absolutely right that uh, it keeps getting pushed further and further in uh, a direction that's not healthy for the country. Well, let's uh, go break here for a second, and I want to tie this into some article I read about Chinese debt, believe it or not. SP Futures down down 9, NASDAQ Futures down 61. Be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. 
Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands. But you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, North Face Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Wentworth on the board. SP Futures down 750 now, down 50. And NASDAQ Futures down 54. We were down a little less than that. Then we went down a little more than that. Now we're coming back. So down, but not very much. Uh, here this morning, Dow Futures down 36. Individual stocks in the Dow. I got Apple down a buck 77. It's almost one percent. Uh, I've got Caterpillar down buck 49. Uh, actually, virtually every stock in here is down, but uh, this futures aren't down very much. So I just uh, I don't know. I don't know why that is, but it is. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 31.2 percent. Puts the up 10.1 percent. Kakaran down 19.3 percent. So. Slightly down, but kind of mixed over in Europe, so not much there. Uh, review of Friday, Dow was up 115, S&P up 8, NASDAQ down 3. Friday, very slow day before the holiday weekend. Asia, we got the Nikkei up 97.3%. Hang Seng, however, which kind of started up because uh, China was going to put more money into or towards their property problems. Toronto went the other way because Australia held, held rates firm, and uh, Hang Seng ended up down 387, which is over 2%. 18,450 Six, so they had a big U-turn last night. Shanghai down 22.7 percent. We've got bonds uh, up six basis points, 4.23. The bond up three basis points, 2.60. Japan up two basis points, 0.66. We've got oil down 28 cents, but still 85.27. That's up um, seven eight percent probably in the last three weeks. A brand up down 64 cents, 88.36. Nasdaq down four, natural gas, sorry, down 14 cents, 262. Arbob up a penny. 260. Uh, we've got gold down 1150, 1955. So it's kind of mired in this middle of the 1900s. Can't get to 2000, and fortunately can't go under 1900 at least not yet. So we're down 72 cents. Ouch, 23.84. Back down to a spot where you might want to look at it. Uh, copper down three cents, 379. Uh, we've mentioned that if, when silver notched over 25, would it get slammed again? Yes, it has. Uh, I didn't. I didn't trade that, but I'm just observing it. Uh, Bitcoin down uh, 128, 25,747. So it's given back a lot of that big gain that one day last week. And we have the U.S. dollar. Uh, the dollar is up pretty strong here with the pound uh, down to 125 and the euro down to 107. So that's a half a percent move in the U.S. dollar 
which of course has the bonds going down and all the stuff moving. So, Matty, what do you have for us? Traffic, weather, sports. 35 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We're off to a decent start here on the area expressways, roadways, and tollways. Tuesday after Labor Day, most folks returning back from work and or uh, summer vacation today. Uh, so we are seeing some uh, uh, larger volume of traffic. But no accidents to report. There are a couple of uh, lane closures due to debris, uh, two unrelated uh, debris issues. One, it looks like, is on the uh, outbound Eisenhower that's blocking the left lane just before Church Road. Uh, some debris there. And then uh, out west in Aurora on the Reagan Memorial I-88, metal debris is blocking the right lane on the inbound side. Uh, and that's right at Illinois 31. So um, not sure what's going on with those uh, two issues as they're pretty far apart, so I don't think they're related, but uh, we have debris-blocking lanes. Other than that, no accidents or incidents to report. It looks like it's about 43 minutes from O'Hare into downtown right now on the Kennedy as traffic is starting to build there. Edens, you'll have a slowdown as well from uh, Dempster to uh, the downtown uh, Jane Byrne Interchange. You're up to 34 minutes um, due to uh, traffic congestion. But everything else looking okay out there. Weather today? Another uh, sunny, warm day, a bit cooler than it's been the last couple of days, but still above normal. Partly cloudy skies with a high of 89. Right now it's clear and 77 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 102 today. Right now it's clear and 78. In sports, Cubs uh, beat the Giants at Wrigley yesterday 5-0, winning the first game of that series. White Sox were blown out by the Royals 12-1. Diamondbacks topped the Rockies 4-2. So as we take a look at our Tuesday morning uh, baseball standings review here, uh, as we're on, what, September 5th, so... uh, about three and a half, four weeks left to go in the regular season. Cubs are 74 and 64. Second place in the NL Central, two and a half back of first place Milwaukee. Diamondbacks are 71 and 67. They're 14 back in the NL West uh, behind the Dodgers. And the White Sox uh, having a, obviously a terrible year, 53 and 85. Fourth place in the AL Central, 19 games back in Minnesota. When you look at the wild card, the Cubs uh, would be in the playoffs if they started today. They have that second wild card spot. And they have a three-game lead over Arizona and Cincinnati, who are tied for the third wildcard spot. Cincinnati has a tiebreaker, correct? Over who? Cubs. They do over the Cubs. Yeah, they they won that series, uh, season series, by one game, uh, seven to six. So they have the tiebreaker. But Cubs have a three-game lead over Cincinnati, four games in the loss column. So hopefully that won't come into play. What um, uh, if if three teams tie, and two of them have tiebreakers? Then all the tiebreakers are off. They always have to play off. Then I have no idea. Uh, they, I don't know either. Yeah, they have written breakdowns of the tiebreakers. They change every year. It seems like so. I feel like every yeah. year I read up on it, but I haven't read up on it this year. Well, we'll do it before. So it here's a question for you, Chief. Do you think that Jerry Reinsdorf and the White Sox are trying to follow the same plan as the Bears that they're going to go for the number one pick in the draft, and that's why they're heading towards the bottom of the <laughs> of the league right now? I mean, they could be the the worst team in baseball this year, even worse than Oakland. I mean, Oakland, for a while, looked like they might be the worst team ever in history. Um, but the way the Sox are playing lately, they're they're in a race to the bottom. I'm going to lob one out there and say, in, in order of uh, number one picks, I would say uh, basketball is by far the most important. Football, maybe. Then baseball, then hockey. I, I don't see... There's so many picks in baseball. I don't see the number one that much better. Number 
five or six most years. Do you, man? Oh, I agree. I was just making the point that it looks yeah. like they're tanking the yeah. way that they're playing. But boy, they are such a horrific team in in all aspects of play. <clears throat> I was at a game uh, earlier this year, and I was watching um, that right fielder they brought up, Colas, and um, he had terrible fundamentals. He caught a, a there was a ball hit out to right field. And he threw flat-footed and allowed a runner to advance on a base. And he, he missed the cutoff man. You know, what? and the fact that Chris Getz is now the guy who's the general manager, he was in charge of the minor league system. What what kind of uh, fundamentals are they teaching in the minor leagues with these guys? And, you know, the Sox are notorious for bad base running, bad bad defense, bad fundamentals. Uh, it's, I mean, 12-year-olds play better than they do. It's uh, It really is out of the system, I would say that the, the guys that the Cubs bring up are fundamentally way down on the guys the Sox bring up. But I, that's just an observation. But uh, why do you suppose that even is, Matty? I mean, I don't know. It, 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 can't, it can't be that somebody doesn't think fundamentals are... are uh, well, the Cubs have gone with this. They're emphasizing speed a lot more, more fundamentals. They, they're looking for guys like Nico, Nico Horner and uh, guys like that. They're not, they're not as big. They're not as, you know thumpy kind of guys. The Sox always have like five seemingly first basemen on the team. The, the White Sox, time. for whatever reason, even when they won it all, they've always had the big sort of Paul Canerco, uh, Jim Tomei, Jermaine Dye, uh, you know, even like Aaron Rowan, um, and then now you look at Mancada and, and Eloy Jimenez, and they've always had these big, burly sort of mashers that, you know, that can play DH in the American League, and obviously the, the DH is across both leagues now. But they, they don't seem to emphasize speed and athleticism as much as other teams do. Uh, and, and I don't know if the game is, is sort of changing and it's leaving that style of, of development behind, um, but I've, always, I've noticed that too. It seems like for the last 20-some years, the White Sox have always had four or five DH slash first baseman on their roster. Yeah, at I mean, least. <laughs> and, and guys that can't feel. I mean, you look at their body position when they're feeling, and they're horrible in getting into position to play. And they don't know where to throw. They they don't know how to run. You know they get they get picked off in double plays when they shouldn't have. When fly balls to the outfield. I mean they're they're horrific. And I think that's a, a structural issue with the the whole baseball system and the minor league system. Yeah, if you get a guy who's a, a naturally talented hitter or fielder, and you don't develop him or teach him. Uh, the White Sox way, but maybe this is the White Sox way, is just, you know, don't care about how your fundamentals are compared to the Dodger way or the Cardinal way when they teach how to put your socks on so that you're you're part of the, the organizational uh, mentality. Um, but, but you know, even this year when um, when some of the pitchers were traded, they said, you know, there's no rules over there. We get to do pretty much anything we wanted to, and it, I think it shows in the way that they're playing. Yeah, I don't even know what the... Uh Motivation. I mean, what's it like in the clubhouse on you know four days row? You get clobbered like ten to one. I mean, it. Yeah. I mean, you're all kind of playing for yourself. And we're many. I were talking the win. Have you ever seen anything like this? Uh, this Angels fiasco, where they where they they got rid of some of their best minor leaguers, a couple of them to the sacks for Giolito and the relief pitcher, and now they waived all those guys because Otani and Trout yeah, are like, hurt. I mean, it's, like a week or a couple of weeks later, they're gone. I mean, that that didn't make any sense at all. I've never seen anything like this Cleveland picking up three guys off the waivers to make a run at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. For those that don't know what I'm talking about, Maddie, help me with this. But if if you designate Chilito and, and Lopez, and I forget the third guy, were yeah. traded to the White Sox, by the White Sox to the Angels, 
and then a few weeks later, those pitchers uh, were released by the Angels and picked up by the by the Cleveland Guardians. Well, if you if you put them on waivers, maybe make sure I'm right here. If you put them on waivers and somebody picks them up, the the person who picks them up has to uh, pay the salary for the rest of the year. Right. So if if right. they if the waiver claim priority is based on record, I believe. So the worst teams get yep. the chance first, all the way down until the the best team. If they and then if they clear waivers, then they become. Uh, a free agent, right? Then, then they can right. sign, you know. But then I think they sign for the minimum. Then and they it, sign for the minimum. The, uh, but the team that released them is on the hook for right. the, the the remainder of their salary. Um, but if they, uh, but yeah, if they're claimed, then they they're they're due what a prorated version yeah. of their salary. So, so Cleveland picked up season, yeah. Cleveland picked up three people. Now they're hopelessly out of the wild card race. They're only five games behind the Twinkies. So they're they're saying that they can catch the Twins this month, and it's going to cost them. A million two total for that run that these guys. Now, if you get two or three good starts out of Giolito and some relief work out of the Southern, the third guy came from another team. It wasn't the. They're now six back because the Twins beat Cleveland twenty to six yesterday. Well, so much for. But I'm saying <laughs> for a million two, considering what these guys throw around, it's not a bad shot. Oh, plus, I agree. Plus, you probably, I, I think, uh, Brennan, you never know whose agents people are, but if you just say to Giolito, hey, look. I'll give you a pretty good contract for next year, just one year, to get yourself back together, and then you can enter the free agent market and get the zillion dollars you right. think you deserve. I think you got a leg up on guys that you that you bring in like that. I, I think you do. I mm-hmm. don't know. Maybe you don't. Well, Giolito did that when he was with the White Sox. He did yeah. terrible years. The worst pitcher in baseball in 2018, then he turned it around for a couple of years. I would have liked to have seen uh, I mean, the Cubs. I'll bet the thing that's weird here is if you would think that if – Cleveland grabs somebody in the first time through that somebody else would get a chance a second time through. But I, I don't, like Maddie says, I don't think the Cubs got a chance at any three of these, any one of these guys because Cleveland grabbed them before them. If Cleveland right. claimed them, then uh, the Cubs never got to see them. They never got a chance to claim mm-hmm. them. That's a, but, now, but now the Angels are left with the young guys they traded away are gone. These guys are gone. Oh, by the way, Otani's a free agent and he needs Tommy John and Tr- what's, what's wrong with Trout is he is this a comeback easy injury or is this I'll have to look I didn't see what what's hurting him now I, I thought he had a broken hammy and he came back and um I, I think he's he's still injured yeah I mean it's something that was supposed to heal and it didn't or, or whatever anyway uh if we have a minute or we gotta go to Kenny um well let me know what Kenny I, you got about one minute all right I got a question it's a long it's a long question Brenda but uh reading this thing somebody sent me over the weekend that that the uh the u.s treasury stuff i mean china and uh saudi arabia have <coughs> lightened up on their u.s treasury holdings uh from 938 billion to 835 from june 2022 to june 2023 decrease of about 103 billion in 12 months my question is i mean i'm not a huge fan of either china or saudi arabia but i i'm since we educated half of them I don't. I don't think they're that stupid. I mean, this idea that we're going to, uh, you know, take our currency down to where it's worth. Anybody who doesn't think that we haven't devalued our currency by thirty-five to forty percent in the last three years is out of their mind. I mean, Grandma used to have a million dollars in the bank. She's got six hundred thousand worth of buying power. She doesn't know. It. She probably knows it because grandmas are never stupid. These guys, why should they leave their money here and have us devalue the thing for them right in front of their very eyes? I mean, don't we, do, we, do we just think everybody's that dumb or what? Um, I, I agree. That, that's 
<laughs> a million dollar question or a billion dollar question <laughs> or a hundred billion dollar question but it it uh, you know i i agree with you anyway i i don't think i don't think that people are that stupid are we uh, we got to go to break brendan thank you for hanging on maybe we might actually see you in the office one of these days what do you think or see you i'll try to all right buddy you take care of yourself sb futures now right. five nays if he's now third real quick break kenny polkerry Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Blowing up stocks and jocks. Now, come out. Yeah, whatever, with some good music on the board. SP Futures down 5, NASDAQ Futures down 41. We came in, they were down like 5 and down 39. Then they ran down 9.5, and, and the NASDAQ, now they're coming back this way. There's a little back and forth in the wind here. Kenny, how are you after the big weekend? I'm good. How are you? It's, you know, I, I, I get up this morning thinking it's always Monday. I completely forget it was Tuesday. But, yeah, no, the weekend was good, you know. It was a beautiful weather here and uh, kind of uh, overdue for another day off just to kind of get it all together. But, yeah. Summer's over. Now we're into fall, and now we're going to get back to uh, focusing and concentrating on really what's going on in the markets. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, what uh, I, I look at. Uh, I mean, I couldn't believe the jobs report stuff on Friday. I mean, it seems like we talked all day on on basically a six hundred thousand person revision. You know, and, right. and I mean, it's I don't know how people ignore that, but I mean, it happens once in a while with the what the birth and death thing on businesses. They have an adjustment, but Come on, six hundred thousand person adjustment. It's it, it's August every year, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's August every year. The other thing was on the NFP report. You know, you notice how the unemployment rate jumped from three point five to three point eight, which was a real surprise considering they expected it to be flat. But the labor force participation rate went up, so suddenly more people decided to get up off the couch and go look for a job. And if you're looking for a job and you fail to find one, then you're suddenly counted as unemployed versus you just sitting at home and collecting and not looking for a job, then you're no longer counted. So did the unemployment rate go up because more people are suddenly looking for a job and couldn't find one, although there's 8 million jobs available, versus this massive layoff that, you know, is is, is supposed to happen anyway, right? I mean, many many say you got to see unemployment go up to better than a, a five-handle on it in order for Jay to be successful. So what could really cause that rise in unemployment? Was it, in fact, people losing their jobs? Or was it the fact that the labor force participation went up and more people are entering and not finding work, so therefore that number goes up? So it's a little bit, it's a little bit um, 
confusing, certainly, uh, to see how that plays out. But we're going to learn more uh, as the month goes on. We get more macro data points. Um, what Kenny is, is talking about here, and I'll, I'll explain the numbers a little bit because he's 100% correct. There's, I mean, I, I, I talk about this not every month, but every couple of months. The most screwed up thing in the labor report numbers, and Kenny will tell me it's not the most screwed up, probably, but is <laughs> well, the, out of all the people that are eligible for work, there's a huge chunk of people that are working, correct? Right, Kenny? And then there's yep. people. Then there's people that are not working for whatever reason. Now there's a lot, probably a lot of really good reasons. You're retired. You're going to school. Blah blah blah. Or or you're unemployed. This number is about 106 million million people. Like it's a huge number. And yep. what Kenny's talking about is the labor force participation. So most most months we're talking about 99.9. We don't know what the hell they're doing, or or we know they're, they're students or whatever. And the unemployed number is like under six, but out of that whole number, only a very small piece of it are considered unemployed because they're allegedly looking for work. Okay, now and I think Kenny, what, what Carl tells us, is a, several years ago, maybe more than several. Everybody got, everybody, our, our fine government got very lazy, and that the people they count on unemployment were the people they actually were sending checks to. So if you and I want an unemployment, what's the normal? Is it 90 days before they're special? I say it's 90 days. I'm not sure. Uh, you're on unemployment. Yeah. And, then, and then if it's really bad, then, they, then the federal government adds days to it, right? But I don't think yeah. there's any addition days now. Let's, let's say 90 days just for, for, for something and giggles. Uh, the minute you stop getting the check, I think they don't count you as unemployed anymore. Correct. They don't. Yeah, so which, which you and I, just because our 90 days are up or however many days it is, if we're still looking, all of a sudden we're not considered out of, out of unemployed. We're in this—I don't know what the hell we're doing column. So procedurally, Kenny, other than people fudging the numbers, I have no idea how all of a sudden, essentially, what Kenny's talking about is six hundred and twenty thousand people miraculously shifted from the "we don't know what they're doing" column into actually unemployed and looking for a job. I don't even know how procedurally that could even work. Yet that's what happened. Last month, and that's why you saw the unemployment rate go from three point five to three point eight. But the number in the last col- in these two columns combined is exactly the same as it was in the month before. People that aren't working, right? Yeah. So I don't I don't even know what that tells you. I mean, I, I don't. I'm, I will say, my first economics class I ever walked into at Notre Dame, the first thing the guy said was his unemployment rate number is horrible. That was how many years ago? <laughs> I don't want to. It's what I mean, like you say. How do you know these people all of a sudden miraculously are looking for a job, or don't? Well, and that's how I don't know how they know it. But I don't know because I don't know the details of how they get that number. But um, suddenly, you know, all these people looking for a job, and they can't find one, which is comical because there's 8.5 million jobs apparently available. So it's a little bit confusing that they can't really find a job. Do they really want a job, or are they just making it look like they're looking for a job? I mean, there's all these questions surrounding some of these data points. Well, you also have the the phenomenon uh, that was noted by uh, uh, Dan Janinas' buddy. He's got, he's got a buddy down in Florida uh, by you. And, uh, you and Dan are pretty close, right? You guys went to... Yeah, Dan's a good guy. I actually had lunch with him last week when we oh, were he, talking about... He's a good guy. He was down wasn't he? he was, yeah, he was in Chicago. We had a great time. We, we, he came he into the studio your, and... Uh, well, then we went down and had a couple of adult beverages that afternoon. He, my, my, the guys that I usually hang with love Dan. I mean, they absolutely love yeah. him. So he's given one guy a, a, a bodybuilding routine and stuff. We'll see if he, if he does it. <laughs> I bet he won't anyway. Um, but he was saying one of his buddies 
like a year ago. He had nothing better to do. So he sees all these help wanted signs, right? And he was of the same conspiratorial vent that I was on this one, that even if you hired somebody at 15 bucks an hour, you're still looking for somebody at 11 like he used to be able to pay people. So all right. these jobs, I mean, everybody's got a sign up, but they're not really openings. Right. So, so his his buddy went out around. I don't know where the hell he went, like the Home Depot and all these stores and stuff. I think Dan, what did he say, Manny? Was it like twenty places that were health wanted signs? And the guy called all twenty of them, and there was never even an interview. Right. Was it really real? Yeah. Was right? it? Yeah. If somebody wants to walk by and and, and be a, a dishwasher for ten bucks an hour, we'll hire you. But if you want like a regular wage, we don't want you. Type of thing. Yeah. Right. So right. I mean I, I mean I, I don't I don't know if that's countrywide you know but I mean that was just one man's view of it. Just yeah, saying. no, and and that is a problem, right? But one way or the other, I do think that uh, I do think that the de- September is going to be a tough month. It's seasonally, as you know that there are people on the other side of the fence, like Tom Lee and Ryan Dedrick, who said no, this time it's different. September is not going to be a, a bad month, and you know the the S and P was up, uh, you know, for the first six months of the year, and. Uh, blah, 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 and they, they bring out all these historical facts and tell you by the end of the year, we're going to be up another, uh, you know, 5 or 10%, whatever it's going to be, but we're going to end the year in a positive note. I do think we're going to end the year probably right here, S&P 4,500, but I think we're going to churn lower, not crash, just churn lower September into October, and then rally back into the end of the year, which will bring us to right where we are now. That's what I think is going to happen. I'm, I'm, you know, Kenny, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I actually agree with you totally on that, but I I have a question. I mean, I'm not I'm not Mr. Uh, technical, but you're way better in that than I am. And I'm also not Mr. you know, uh uh you know, what do you want to call it? Mr. numbers on these companies either, but at some point this stuff has to equal out in some rational number. I mean, I, I look I look at a at a Walmart and I, I like I said I mentioned probably last week I'm probably boring you, but I I like what they're doing. But they're they're 25 times earnings. I mean, I like Home Depot. They're they're 35. Lululemon, I guess I like the, the see-through pants. I don't know. But they're 50. I mean, w- where can we go here? I mean, can Walmart, if they were a 15 times earnings, I'd, I'd probably have my people. I'd be buying them for my people today. But they're not. I mean, where, where can, they, can they go to 40? I mean, are they going to sque- squeeze everybody else out where they're the only place left? I mean, where can these numbers seem towering? I mean, I... Lululemon, they, they had, my brother said all he did was listen, he had the, the sound on, on CNBC before the earnings, and all he did was tout their margins. Kenny, they make seven sixty a, a share, for God's sake, and the stack is worth four. What kind of margins are you talking about? They're, they're making seven bucks, and it's 400 hours. There's the margin. I mean, I love the company, don't get me wrong, but how much higher can we go with these fundamentals? Well, I'm not sure we can, and I think that's part of the problem. We're already trading at 19 and a half times forward earnings in still what I consider a rising rate environment because I don't think the Fed is done. I don't care what they say. I think 6% is the number they want to get to, whether they get there in two more moves or one more move. I think that's where they want to take it, and I don't think the market is prepared for it, and I think where we are in terms of valuations are a little bit rich. doesn't mean it's going to crash, but it doesn't mean I think we're toppy here, right? So it's got to it's retreat in order to take that uh, that that data point into account. When you say when you say interest rates in the Fed, um, I'm going to ask you for a second. S- split your thought process. Yeah. Let, let, let's agree that in the short run, the Fed controls the short-term interest rates. You know, let's, let's, let's agree on that one, even though maybe we could have somebody debate that as well. You debate anything. But on a long-term rate, I don't think the Fed 
is really this time since they did so much and poured so much cash in they've done something I think they've never done before and they actually controlled the long term rate but even if these guys pivot and go back to five say I don't see that I, I think the 10 year rate's going to settle at six I mean that's the, yeah. that's the one I'm looking at is, is the one where you're not going to see uh, Amazon being able to borrow at 2% anymore you're not going to see these people being able to borrow less than, than the inflation rate which they never should have been able to but they have I think we right. might end up with the Fed, the short-term rates back down to four and a half, and long-term rates, you know, being five seventy-five. I mean, that, 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 that's that to me is a more normal. This this thing now, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, uh, I mean, you, st- you still have people borrowing less than the short-term rate out thirty years, which is kind of nuts. I mean, yeah, no, no, I hear you, and I'm not, you know, first of all, I'm not sure that we're going to see rates go back to four and a half percent. I think they're going to get them to six percent, and then they're going to hold them there at least through. Uh, as we had the early summer of next year. And if anything, maybe they come down a half a point unless the economy is going completely off the edge, um, which I also at the moment don't see, but I guess that could change, right? Um, but look, you and I know for most of our lives after 1980 when rates hit 20%, but for the for the next 30 years or so, rates were around four, between 45 and 6% was considered normal, and that was considered what everyone got used to, and that's where we just lived, and the economy was fine, and people were fine. I think that's what it's got to get back to. Well, when you, if you look at, well, you may, I can't imagine it, and I'll ask Cal when he comes in, does, a, does an economics professor, uh, when I was in school, um, they would say the, the, the history of economic economics guys would say that in the going back centuries, make that thousands of years, the real rate of interest has been somewhere between two and a half percent and three. In other words, yeah. if you want to borrow my money to build your house, right. uh, the number has been two and a half and three just to use my dough because it's mine and you want to use it. And then you have, you have to add on that obviously some risk, and you got to add on that the the inflation because if the if the if the amount of stones are going to be worth less a year from now, you got to give me a couple stones to make up for it, right? So your your long term rate is supposed to be the real rate of interest plus inflation. Well, let's say these guys are successful getting inflation at two and or two and a half, and the long term rate is three. You're talking five and a half percent for for a ten year rate, not three, not two. Right. Right. And so and so five and a half percent though would be more in line with yes. what you want. Yes, right. And you that's, might you might have a short term rate that's four, and your long term rate's five and a half. And you and I would say the yield curve smells right. Everything kind of smells right. I don't know if the world's doing great, but at least this part of it looks—I'll use the term—normal. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would use the term normal. I think that's what the the, the, the other problem is. You know, Tom. There's a whole generation of people in this business that came into it in 2007 when they cut rates to zero and kept them there for 15 years. And so they don't know any different. All they know is zero rates and what that provided for the last 13 or 15 years. Now it's back into, okay, this is the real world. Four and a half or five percent or five and a half percent is the real world. And so now these guys all have to, these men and women all have to, you know, kind of readjust their thinking and readjust their they're in for a new experience, right? Well, the the how people ever got the idea that you should give your money to somebody else for free, I don't get. Well, yeah, I hear you. I mean, uh, obviously, if you you know, if you and I are going to build a building, we need concrete, we need steel, we need toilet 
you know, vanities, and oh, by the way, we need somebody else's money because we don't have it. you got to pay right. for all those things, right? Or you're supposed to be able to. Yeah, right. What do you think? Right. we got we got a dash here, but I was having a spirited debate with my buddies the other night. Somebody came out and said the Bears are now, what, the fifth most valuable franchise money, and they're worth what well, well, Washington just traded at $6.5 billion, and I'm like, if if you go back to a normal interest rate policy, no no way on earth those teams are worth that. Because, you know, if you're paying, even if your implied cost is, say, 7%, that's $490 million a year is the first check you write for interest. None of these teams make that. They make maybe 200 which is a lot. Right. But, I mean, you, right. there's there's no way you can you can justify that unless the guy's borrowing the money at, like, 1% or one5 like people have been able to do. Or you haven't been getting any interest for your money, one or the other. Yeah, no, right. What uh so are you guys are you guys weather turned better down there or are you still hotter than hell? No, no, no. The weather's starting to turn. It's you know, it's it's hot during the day, let's not kid ourselves, but you can feel at night it's starting to turn, it's starting to get a little bit cooler, it's not nearly as hot and humid. But look, September can be September and October can really be the worst months in the hurricane season. So that whole fear over the hurricane season is not over yet, even though it's September. It runs through November first. But down here on the East Coast anyway, September and October tend to be the uh, the months that you really have to be careful about. So we still kind of you know we're, we're 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 still on the edge, but the weather itself is turning. Well, every every day that passes, the water gets a little a little cooler and a little less a little dangerous. Cooler. Right? Yeah, the water does because I got to tell you, in the middle of the summer in July, going to the beach in Florida is no bargain because it, the water is warmer than the air almost, and it's not refreshing, right? Oh, yeah. So, so actually, the pool's cooler than, than the ocean. Well, then, then you might get some red tide. You might get stung in the ass by one of those and, fish. Too. And you bitten by a shark. <laughs> <laughs> I love Maddie. Maddie gets quoted all the time. I'm never going to die by getting bitten by a, sh- a shark or, or my parachute doesn't open up. I'm, I'm crossing right. those two off the list. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyway, Kenny, thank you very much. SP Futures down 6, Nancy Futures down 44. Be right back. Professor Hell. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Lone Rope Stocks and Jacks. I'm tomorrow. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 675. Nasdaq Futures down 46. Just a little bit down here. We got some movement in the interest rates here uh, this morning. Though the 10 years up a little bit. We got the bonds down. We got a reasonable move in the dollar. We've got uh, dollars moving up uh, 
fairly strong. We got the euro down to 107. It's been 108, 108 and a half for like a real long time. British pounds down to 125. They made it up to like 128. So, what do you what do you make of that, Hal? With the dollar movement here, any anything or just blue? Well, I think it has something to do probably with uh, the news come out of China. Yeah. I don't. I don't think uh, China's in a very good situation. Um, in the U.S., our Keynesianism is uh, checked by debate, and I think in Japan and China, there's really there's a lot of homogeneity there. And in China, you have conformity to thought, conformity of thought, and uh, I don't think there's any check on it. And for that reason, I think China's in a really in a, in a world of real hurt. And I'd, I would be worried if I was... I don't have anything in China. I don't own anything in China. But uh, if I own stuff in China, I'd be probably pretty worried at this point. Yeah, I mean, what the... Well, the one place uh, what Evergreen declared the, the bankruptcy finally after been in trouble, like, for the ever... The other guys are what? Uh, it's, it sounds like the nursing home. I was able to play something garden. Something, something garden. Those guys are even bigger. I, you know, but the... What we've done here, though, Hal, is we've we think that pouring money into the system is a solution because it yeah. tied you over for a month or two, but it's, it's not a solution. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't, and, and everybody's there is, is waiting for the, uh, uh, you know, for those guys to do that and somehow fix things, fix things, you know, editorialize it and say for a while, but that's, that's no fix. How, I, mean, well, I, think, I think what happened for businesses, I think one reason why businesses are so re- resilient right now, because they're, they're on the opposite side of the trade that uh, banks are on. Uh, banks are having trouble because uh, they have all these 10-year uh, bonds uh, that aren't paying anything. And their clients want 4 or 5% and they're switching. Yeah. Whereas Amazon and the big corporations, they're on the other side of that, right? So I think, I think that has... Uh, I mean, they issue debt when interest rates are low. So I think that right there is kind of like... Uh, pushing what I believe is a recession. I think we're in recession, but I think what it does is it pushes the damage, the worst part of the recession into the future a little bit. But eventually, I think uh, we're going we're gonna to really feel it. And, you know, the data is going to bear that out. I mean, you, were, you guys were talking about, I was listening to the show. Uh, I'm dry, I drove to North Carolina this morning, and I was listening to the show this morning, and um, you guys were talking about what were you guys talking about? You guys were talking about um, this Friday show or today's? This morning show, yeah. Oh, we, we I was were. To- well, we were talking. Um, well, we talked a little bit about the Chicago stuff, the, the baseball and stuff, but we we're talking yeah. about the the uh, the numbers being out there, something you can't believe. Well, the numbers, yeah, yeah. The revisions are incredible. So I think what's going on is statistics is the uh, science of the state. Um, if you go back to um, a book. Um, written by uh, a German PhD in the 1700s. It's the science of the state. And I think what happens is the media, I don't know if the media is smart enough to know this, or maybe they are, but uh, they just kind of like go along with it because they like the current administration. But you look at the headline numbers that they release, and you're like, wait, things look good, and you report on it. And they're not talking about the household survey. They're talking about the, the, the employer survey. And if you look at the employer survey and when they do the data dump on the Friday, everything looks great. But then you go back and you look at the revisions and the revisions are like, and nobody covers the revisions. I think we're probably the only ones that cover the revisions. But yeah. you look at the revisions and the, the full-time jobs are down, what, 600,000 since July? Yep. And uh, part-time jobs are way up. 
So you have full-time jobs coming down and you have uh, part-time jobs going up. So I think what's happened is people are uh, really struggling with this inflation and it's a lot worse than the government wants us to know about. And so they have to get a couple jobs and, and maybe they're working a couple part-time jobs. So I think it's going to get any better. I think uh, the middle class and less are in a, in a bad recession. And I don't, I think the, uh, the top 10, top 20%, they don't understand what's going on because they've never had any better because the money that the fed prints, uh, and, and treasury printed, uh, the money that the Fed prints uh, gets siphoned to them first, so they, they're thinking things are great. Well, you either have a real lot or you don't. And I, yeah. what the I the thing that I mean, I'm closer to this inflation stuff than I ought to be, only because that's what I did when I was young, and I've just kind of kept my eye on it because I realized what it did back in the '70s and '80s, and this time it's the same, but it's also very different. If that's, I mean, it's it's not quite the same in a sense. Yeah, that's, Kind of weird we have interest rates that are you know what seem high right five percent seems high can you mention this earlier you know the you know the people that are trading right now they came into a system where interest rates are zero so they've only known uh, zero interest rates and they think five is high five is about historically where interest rates have been Leonardo in Leonardo da Vinci's time interest rates are about six and a half so we're not even close to where I mean we're about where they historically been Right, um, but you know, the the Fed's raising interest rates in their perspective that's incredibly high from zero to five, and, and percentage change is really high. Um, but at the same time, the uh, reserve requirement ratio uh, is zero percent, and so the multiplier when the, the when the reserve requirement ratio is zero, the multiplier is one divided by zero, which is infinity. Right. So banks can multiply all those reserves which are technically excess reserves i like to call them unemployed reserves because there's a price floor on interest called interest on reserves so i like to refer to them as unemployed reserves so you have all these unemployed reserves and banks can do what they can multiply uh those reserves well how does, how does infinity. well let me back up just a hair uh graduate professor and 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 tell everybody what the hell you're talking about if you don't if you don't mind for a second oh. what if I'll be simple. Go, go back to a, a show like Bonanza, right? And you got you got yeah. the Virginia City Bank, and and uh, Hoss Cartwright goes in and drops hundred thousand bucks in there because they just did some kind of deal. The bank now has used to have a reserve requirement that says you can't lend out all of that. There was a reserve requirement for for years when I was doing all this in grad school and at Pullman and other places. Reserve requirement was around twenty percent, right? Nineteen and a yeah. half, twenty. And it was a massive deal when the Fed raised or lowered the reserve requirement. They only did that like once a decade. And uh, yeah, well, it's not like a jackhammer. Oh yeah, it was a total on an archaeological dig. Without right? a doubt, you, you want to take a, a brush to an archaeological yeah. dig. You don't want to use a jackhammer. So, so Oscar goes in to do that. Matty Weber comes in and says, "I need a loan because I want to buy horses or whatever." Somebody they could now loan eight hundred thousand to Matty Weber. Not yeah. the not the full mill. They could they could loan eight hundred thousand. Now Matty Weber says, "Okay, he gets the loan." And now his eight hundred is in the Virginia City Bank as well. Now they have to take a twenty percent haircut on that, and they can go and lend uh, little Matt Byrne uh, six forty. So yeah. that, that's how money is essentially created in this country, or not created. So what the Fed doesn't really create money necessarily. What they do is 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 take care of the amount of money in the system. 
So if all of a sudden this happens all over the place, you see this expanding amount of uh, of uh, funds in the system. The Fed can now, now go out and like sell bonds and drag some of that money out of the system. So what they're doing is they're trying to manage the money in the pool. But actually, the the way we're set up, people create or don't create money, right, Hal? I mean that's the whole yeah. idea of it. So what, when you take the reserve requirement and say. I don't know, let's drop it to 15%. Well, now you can see how these numbers multiply. You get it down to zero, like Hal says, it can be yeah. infinite. But now on the other side yeah. of the coin is they've got these wacky stress tests and everything, which almost act, I think, in terms of, uh, uh, well, I'll ask you because you're the professor, where your your banks don't want that money. So right now, because matter of fact, our friend uh, Robert, uh, he's not been on the show, but we had a couple guys from the Fed on here. I don't, you know this, Hal, but it's probably been a long time ago. It's in the back of your brain. The the Fed, if, if you're if you're say a big, I'm not talking about Hoss Carter with a million dollars. If you're OCC or if you're Board of Trade Clearing, which is now Merck Clearing, if all of a sudden you have five hundred million dollars excess at night, okay, the reserve requirement, like Hal says, might be zero, but a bank won't take the money. Because that's now considered hot money, which has you know, which I didn't even know what the hell that was back when I did all this stuff in school. Now all of a sudden, like J.P. Morgan won't take the money because now they actually have to have more capital because they're taking this money and they might leave tomorrow. So you got a bank that won't take money and oh by the way doesn't make loans. What by the way does a bank do other than that? <laughs> I don't know, but, but so so in essence, you're right. The reserve requirement is down to zero, but all these other regulations are kind of undefined. I think they, they mess with the reserve requirement more than the reserve requirement in some ways. Yeah, they, they might. Um, and, and it's crazy. I think the way the Fed keeps all this money bottled up, I, I think the way they do it is by uh, just looking at the total amount of reserves in the banking system. And if they feel like uh, there's too much money leaking out in terms of loans... I think what they're actually thinking in their head is we're going to raise interest on reserves. But you raised interest on reserves rate, uh, and that uh, improves the you know rate that banks earn by not lending to anybody. They're actually lending to the Fed, right? right. So uh, when the when they see uh, money escaping the banking system, they just lift the dam a little bit. They make the dam a little higher, and they push the interest rate interest on reserves rate up a little bit. And that kind of stems that flow because when banks are making loans, they're creating money. That money piles up in the banking system. And just like uh, a, a, a warm spring, all that mountain snow will uh, melt and run down into the rivers, filling that res- reservoir up and overtop the bank, overtop the, uh, the dam. So when banks are uh, multiplying reserves through bank lending, uh, you 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 kind of feel the reserves kind of hitting the top of the the dam, and if they overtop the dam, then we have an inflation or worse inflation. Well, the, so I think what the Fed does is they they push that interest rate of reserves uh, up a little bit to stem the flow. Well, what these guys did, um, um, it, you know, I think pretty brilliantly, is they said we don't want that. We don't want OCC or whoever it is with the five hundred million dollar check, you know, check. Uh, Saying go to five banks and they say we don't want it. So what they did is they opened up a Fed window for the clearing corps. 
So that $500 million, instead of going to J.P. Morgan where Jamie Dimon doesn't want it, it's going to go right into the Fed. So now it's yeah. – this is, I guess, my, my question to you. It's not M1 then, cause, and plus M1 doesn't exist anymore. These idiots have decided M1 and M2 are the same thing, right? So it's not M1. So now it's not really M2. It's going directly to the Fed, and I think they call that M0, deposits yeah. back to the Fed. What does that even do for the numbers that you and I are looking at? I mean, it, it screws them all up, doesn't it? Well, I think it's kind of like one of those, you know, I'm from the West where we have dams. We have dams to control the flooding in Portland, Oregon, for example. Without the dams, you'd have this flooding in Portland. So I think what it is is you got these leaks, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to, uh, there's a great scene in uh, uh, Walk the Line with Reese Witherspoon when she tells uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character, Johnny Cash, that she's not going to be the little boy with their finger in the dam anymore. I think what the Fed's trying to do is trying to plug those holes, right, um, to keep the, that that money from pouring out of the system. And I think the more they intervene in the system, the, the, the more likely you're going to create this even more complex Rube Goldberg machine. A Rube Goldberg machine is like those machines that Doc created in Back to the Future. Yeah. You know, these very complex machines to do very simple simple things and the more they tweak the system the more they intervene and create these new tools and and whatnot the more fingers they got to put in the dam uh and eventually you're gonna run out of fingers well it comes from being somewhat simple i i think that the we, we've talked about you know t- uh, tuition we've talked about uh governmental loans and student loans and all this kind of stuff and you, you can you can shove the peas underneath the underneath the glasses all you want on the sidewalk. The fact is, is the college tuition is too high. And this other thing, yeah. you and I are talking about all this stuff with these this money and where's it going here and there and the Saudis pulling money out and the Chinese now. They're they're they are devaluing their currency so they can pay people back with money that's worth less, and they're expecting people to be too dumb to notice it. And they've yeah. gotten away with it for a while. Most savers are too dumb to notice it, or they're powerless. I won't say too dumb. They're, they're they're powerless. I mean, Grandma knows that the money she put in the bank three years ago, that now she's getting it out of the bank, isn't worth the same amount as when she put it in. She knows that yeah. what's she going to do? I mean, is she going to sandwich sign and walk coming down the street? Probably not. But, I mean, the Saudis and the Chinese, to a certain extent, they have nowhere else to go really either. And that's why, you know, we're going to have somebody on uh, actually tomorrow to talk about, you know, Bitcoin in terms of is that... Uh, you know, boy, I don't think I mean, everybody knows my views on Bitcoin, but I'm trying to be open-minded about it. Is what 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 happens when you probably know the answer to this? Hell, what happens when the world currency decides to devalue itself because they can't run their government? Which is really what we're yeah. doing. I mean, do, do you find another? Do you find? Can they find another currency big enough for the for the the you know the the commerce that's in the world? I don't think it's Bitcoin because as bad as a dollar is, that's even worse. There's nothing behind it. But I'll listen tomorrow. Uh, what, what is it? I mean, I mean, the Romans well, did it. The Romans did it, and the whole world fell apart, right? Well, I think the well, you know, Rome did fall apart. But what emerged out of Rome were a bunch of independent city states that I believe gave well gave rise to Christianity, two forms of Christianity: a utopian uh, Christianity that leads to communism and socialism, and then you got the the individual salvation Christianity mixed in with property rights from the the remnants of the Roman Empire mixed in with access to international markets. You have this this thriving market system that came out of the city states from Rome. So it, it's not necessarily a bad thing. 
uh, Roman Empire uh, uh, ceased to exist, but there were all these little republics that popped up everywhere, and that led to Western civilization, uh, liberalism, which ultimately led to the United States. So, uh, you know, the, uh, an, uh, an empire that debases its currency, that collapses, is not necessarily a bad thing. I'm, I'm, not, and, I'm not talking politically in, 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 in their whatever their laws were or weren't and how they treated people. What I'm saying is uh, the, the the idea of treating your currency, whenever, yeah. whenever people well, do that, it screws them up, whether it's a great place or a crummy place is what I'm saying. Well, what, what, what's going to happen is markets are going to work, and the currency that emerges, the best currency that emerges from that competition of currencies, because right now you got, you know, China wants the UN, yuan, uh, uh, Europe wants the euro, America wants the dollar, right? And all these... Uh, central banks for these different nations are debasing the currency. They're doing exactly what the Romans did. So in this competition for currency, they'll, they'll, they'll emerge a winner, and that winner could be Bitcoin. And the reason why I say that is what backs Bitcoin is the idea that it, a, a central bank can't print the crap out of it. The only way you can get more Bitcoin is by pouring uh, energy into to, to harvest Bitcoin. There's uh, only a certain amount and that right there is the value, in my opinion, of Bitcoin. No central bank can print more Bitcoin, and that what is what provides. Well, I mean, I, so I had this long conversation with the gentleman who's coming on tomorrow. Uh, if you can't tell me who put it together, and you can't tell me who's running it, you can't tell me that nobody can make more of it. Well, you know what? Um, if you think about gold, I mean, gold. I mean, what what really is the value of gold? I mean, in terms of uh, manufacturing, there's a there's a value to gold, but really, it's just the really shiny metal that doesn't uh, corrode, right? Well, and n- nobody put nobody put gold in the ground. I mean, we, I mean, the universe uh, created the death of stars billions of years ago, basically put the gold in the ground. And now, what what do people do? They look for it and they hunt for it, right? I mean, that's kind of like what Bitcoin is. Bitcoin you can't use in electronics gold you can't but i think the value in bitcoin is the fact that governments cannot print more of it they can't inflate it and that's why governments fear it well, right? I, I agree if, except if, I, you know well i have there's, there's several different currency concepts here that you and i are going back and forth on one is yeah the governments can't inflate it so it's it's like gold in that regard the only problem is gold does have a, is two things one is currencies these are the two things I remember from currency theory in college. Currencies value, get their value from their scarcity. So if you, if you double the, the amount of currency there, you're going to double the prices, right? Because it's not as scarce anymore. Yeah, half its value, yeah. But I also know that I forget, I, I have this paper somewhere buried in my place. I'm actually trying to clean the place up. Uh, at some point, all currencies um, go down to the, their intrinsic value. So like you know, cigarettes and, and concentration camps, if there's too many of them, we'll drop down to the fact that it's just a cigarette, but it still has a value to people who smoke, which I don't. But, I mean, in those days, it did. It, it, so they're, they're, when you, if Bitcoin were to drop down to nothing, it's like a tulip. There's nothing there. Yeah. Now, but, so, well, yeah, I mean, so, but you're, you're, you're right, though. The, the amount of, for, I mean, if you were to say to one of the, the people on one of the panels on CNBC that we've devalued the dollar, the first thing they're going to say is, what do you mean? It's actually pretty strong against the euro. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Euro is devaluing theirs right with us. It's it it's, it's well, they're probably it, devaluing yeah. at a higher rate than we are. Well, yeah, closer. Yeah. And, and same way yeah. with the pound. The pound probably is resi- the only guys that probably resisted it a little bit are the Swiss. Yeah. 
you know. But I mean, yeah, you, they're, all, they're all going downhill together in terms of the currencies. But the fact is, all of them are not worth. I mean, if you look at the price of say Nvidia, up forty percent. Well, say if it was only up forty percent, it's up two hundred times. I mean, if, if it was up only forty percent, you'd say it's not up at all. I mean, I mean the, the value of the dollar went down, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, what is the dollar? What, what's the what's the thing back in the dollar? A promise of a government that a lot of people on the left and right kind of don't trust anymore. I mean, if you really think about what the what's behind the dollar is I don't think people really trust the government um, like they probably did 20, 30 years right, ago. Right, but it's not... It's not. <laughs> I have this argument. It, you know, no, nobody other than you, maybe, is as pissed off about what they've done to the dollar as I am, and you, right? Yeah. But, yeah. The, but still, we, we've got bridges, roads, aircraft carriers, people, universities, buildings. There's something behind it. It's nowhere near what it ought to be, Right. But and it's going the wrong well, way. But it's not. Tom, it's not Tom, Bitcoin where there's nothing behind it. And my mom is my point. I'm, I'm not upset that our government is deflating our dollar. What I'm upset is when I was in my 20s. Why didn't I know this? And why didn't I buy a bunch of properties back then? So I'm. I'm actually upset with my earlier self. My earlier self was only interested in a party on Friday night and partying at the bar or the club instead of like buying properties and then taking advantage of the fact that the. Well, that's what the Fed does. Because we, we never thought we never thought they'd do it for this long. <laughs> yeah, time. I know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now you're not you're not from. I'll just use one one first name. You're not like Maddie and I's buddy uh, Nick. Nick owns one of the bars that we go to once in a while. Well, Nick Nick's your buddy. Nick's your pal. But Nick's the kind of guy you can drink beer with puke in his car. Nick. <laughs> well, no, but, no, Nick is Nick says that he he wasted. Sure thing, he spent ninety percent of his money. And women, booze, and fast cars, and the other ten percent he wasted. Well, you know, if he's happy, if he's happy, then you know, that's great for him. I mean, teach his own, right? Well, I mean, you and I—I'll I'll bet. Well, I can't do it anymore, but you could probably get in front of a class and and, and prove. Which again, I maybe could do this once, but I sure as hell can't now. You could probably prove that in a competitive economy, in a in a, in a real competitive economy, there is no advantage. To owning versus leasing, or there shouldn't be in the long run. If everything, yeah. if everything was competitive, and you constantly had more and more ideas where you're going to make, uh, say, the risk-free rate is a return is three or four, and you constantly have good enough ideas where you can you can return ten, you're probably way better off using those ideas than you are buying the building because that guy is going to get a six percent return and you're going to get ten. And the people yeah. with the, but it shouldn't be that because of Fed's actions, that thirty years ago everybody who bought the place is doing way better than the people who leased. It, yeah. I mean, it, it shouldn't be that way, and yet, and yet it is, right? I mean, uh, well, I don't know if you're in, in Long Island. I don't know how you you make money off of real estate because you know you pay off your mortgage, you still have a mortgage you have to pay to the the state oh, yeah. or, the, or the local governments in the form of property taxes. I mean, I've. Property taxes out there could be like two thousand a month on a house, or well over a thousand. To me, that's a a mortgage. So I don't know how they do it in a place like Long Island. I don't know how they make money off rent out there. Well, I, I don't either. I, I mean, I, I, that's what I'm saying. But the uh... that really margins. So you, I think what they have to do is they have to if 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 I, I I haven't even looked into this, but what I'm expecting to see if I looked into it is that 
there, there are a lot more multifamily uh, apartments than there are like homes for rent. Um, because I think that property taxes, the bigger your, the more units you have out in Long Island, the less property tax you have per unit, um, as opposed to trying to rent out a house. Well, I'll tell you what, so, if you, you have know, a house here, I don't know how do it out there. if you got a nice house out in like Orlando or Rodriguez, four or five grand a month, easy on the house. The rental rate, it's, you ever, it's huge. Do you ever wonder, since Long Island is kind of like the, historically, you know, it's like rich people had their homes along the beaches of Long Island. Do you actually kind of think it was a way to keep uh, rental properties out of a place like Long Island, like the Hamptons? I mean, if you have these extremely high uh, property taxes per house, it'd be, make it very really difficult for somebody to buy a property and then rent it to somebody. I don't know. If you live in the Hamptons, why would you want somebody like us sitting there, living next door to you? Yeah. Well, maybe that's Maddie why Weber, maybe. Maddie Weber, maybe. Is, you know, right? They might want him. Maybe well, maybe that's why the Hamptons is what it is because the riffraff aren't allowed. They're not allowed in I, because I think it has more has know. to do with. Uh, we got to go to break. I, I suspect how it has more to do with if everybody has fifteen acres instead of one, you got to pay. I won't say fifteen times as much in taxes, but uh, you got to pay quite a bit more because you got to pay for the fire department, the police, the school, and everything. And yeah. I think. Uh, you 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 are without even knowing it, you're keeping other people out. Yeah, but by on purpose because well, you're I saying. Think, I think, I, but I, yeah, I think I think that's what people want. They want government, well, the local government, the state saying, government, or the federal government to keep people out of their saying, market. Well, you're saying 300 people are divvying up the cost of the infrastructure versus 3,000. Yeah. So it's going to be yeah. more. But I don't want the 3,000. Yeah. I don't want the Webers. Oh yeah, I do want the Webers in my neighborhood. But <laughs> SP Futures down. Yeah, SP Futures down 12. Nasdaq Futures down 70. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single-family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. 
Lone Wolf Base, Action Giants. Time out, man. We're on the board. SP Futures down 12.50 now. It's the lowest we've seen it. Not, not real down, but we came in and was only down a few, and now it's leaking a little bit. NASDAQ Futures down 68. Dow Futures down 30. Uh, individual stocks in the Dow. Apple's down a full 1% now, down a buck 89. American Express is up. They got they got recommended by somebody this morning, up a buck 36. It's 0.9%. Uh, they were considered to be the, by, was it Morgan or somebody, that if they are, uh, they think they're going to be the best. Uh, of the credit card companies. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't pay attention to which is best. They all seem. I actually always like my American Express card, but that doesn't mean it doesn't mean it's a good buy. Uh, DAX down twelve point one percent. Call that flat almost. Puts you up nine. Same thing. That's point one percent. Kakaron down nine again. They're very very slow here in Europe. It says here European European stocks fall. Uh, looks to me like they're flat. On Friday, Dow was up one fifteen. S and P up eight. But Nasdaq was down three. So. Kind of an inside slow day, slightly to the upside on Friday. Today, Nikkei is up 97.3, but there's a big turnaround here in the Chinese stocks. Hang Seng was actually up last night because uh, China came out and hinting that they might pour some money into the system to help out their their uh, real estate debacle over there. And, but now Hang Seng is down 387. It's a full 2%. They were actually up at one point. So that's a big spin for those guys. 18,456. Shanghai down 22.7%, 3154. We've got bonds. Ten-year uh, yield up six six basis points to uh, four point two four. I'm going to say uh, it's about as high as it's been. The Bund up two basis points, two point six zero. Japan up two point six six. We've got oil down twenty eight cents, but still eighty five twenty seven. It's way higher than it's been for quite a while. Brent down sixty four cents, eighty eight thirty six. Natural gas down sixteen cents, two sixty one. Arbob up only a penny at two sixty. We've got gold. Has been rallying. Now it's down this morning, down twelve fifty nineteen fifty four. Silver down sixty cents twenty three ninety six. Big move for silver. This thing uh, twenty three seventy. It's a buy twenty five. Unload, unload. It's been for like months now. Um, until we all try and do it, then it'll probably break through one way or the other. Copper down two cents three eighty. We've got crypto down one seventy one. Bitcoin. I mean twenty five thousand seven oh four. And we got the U.S. dollar, which is causing a lot of this. Uh, we've got uh, almost a 0.7% move to the upside in the dollar. Euro's down to 107, and British pound down to 125.5, lowest as we've seen in a while. Maybe what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? 38 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Uh, we do have a crash on the area expressways right now. It's on the Eisenhower outbound side. Right at First Avenue, that crash is blocking the left lane and causing uh, congestion if you're heading outbound on I-290. That's the only accident in the area, though. We do have some uh, some long travel times, as you might expect, uh, Tuesday after Labor Day. Folks uh, going back to work and school, summer unofficially over, and we're seeing uh, some, some high travel times, as, as you might expect, at 730 in the morning here. Inbound Kennedy uh, from O'Hare into downtown up to 61 minutes, but the, uh, the uh, Edens is your slowest moving expressway right now. Dempster into downtown. 68 minutes already, uh, which is uh, well above normal for this time of year. That, of course, due to the road construction and the uh, high traffic volumes. Inbound Eisenhower, you're looking at uh, about 30, uh, sorry, 59 minutes from Thorndale into downtown. Weather today, lots of sunshine. We cool off just a little bit, uh, and then we really cool off uh, beginning tomorrow. But uh, today, still well above normal, but better than it's been. Partly cloudy with a high of 89. Right now, it's clear and 78 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 102. Right now it's clear and 79. In sports, Cubs beat the Giants 5-0. Cubs are just two and a half back now in the central and uh, firmly uh, holding on to the second wildcard spot. White Sox were blown out by the Royals 12-1. 
D-backs beat the Rockies 4-2. Chief. I was actually able to watch the uh, Pirate-Brewer game yesterday, and the Pirates look good. They smashed up on the Brewers pretty good. I saw that. Yeah, that was big for the Cubs. Um, yeah. The Brewers, you know, win nine in a row, and they think they're going to go away, but the Cubs keep winning, and uh, they, the Brewers haven't really gained any ground. They still have that two-and-a-half-game lead like they did before they won nine in a row. What happened to the guy? Uh, the, was it the Pirate pitcher? They carted off? I just saw him carting the guy off. What I didn't that see that. About? Yeah, the poor guy, he looked like he broke his ankle or something. Coming, was he do that coming off the mound or what? Jeez. Yeah, I mean, he did not look happy. No weight on it at all. It did not look good for a for a baseball injury. Anyway... Yeah, hey, you know, uh, I think when, when I keep talking about the, how different it is from the '70s stuff, and probably the single biggest difference was in a, in a savings account, Grandma Hal was never hurt. If the inflation rate was ten, she got twelve in the savings alone, or if it was twelve, she got thirteen or fourteen. This time, the savers have been obliterated, and I I don't know how the Fed exactly pulled that off. Someday you're gonna have to explain that to me, but. I don't know how the hell they pulled that off, but they did. Uh, they buried well, I, think what, I think what the Fed was doing in early spring is they're trying to work off some of their debt, right? Some of their balance sheet. And they're doing the same thing that Treasury's doing, auctioning off, selling Treasuries, right? So you have all these bonds uh, being dumped in the market. Um, and then I think that I think that was one of the reasons why it kind of tri- uh, tricked or triggered that uh, SVP, SVB uh, and the other, what, two or three banks, yeah. um, I, I think that what, what tripped them up. So, I mean, the Fed, can it really work off its balance sheet? The Treasury's got to auction off a trillion. Well, soon to be. It's got to auction off a trillion dollars uh, pretty soon to pay for our $30 trillion debt. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. so th- is the Fed going to be able to compete with Treasury? For I mean, in my money banking class, you learn that a 10-year bond is basically a one-year bond if you're uh, selling it after nine years, right? So if, if the Treasury is selling 10-year bonds in year nine and the Treasury is selling one-year bonds in t- at the same time, those two bonds, those two instruments are competing with each other. So I don't know if the Fed can actually work off its debt. And then if, if China decides it's going to sell some of its debt and Russia sells off some of its U.S. debt, and Japan does the same, then you basically got five treasuries, all trying to raise uh, capital. So it's not, to me, it's not, uh, it's not a really good uh, end to that, that game, I guess. No, what, where, where do you, uh, I mean, let's, you know, we ran a whole bunch of times during this whole mess, and well, mess, this whole lead up to today, and it was, I think it was very obvious to anybody who's ever been in one of your classes or taken any kind of a decent economics class that if, if people buy any kind of certificate at like a 2% interest or 1% or 0 or below 0 like in Europe, and all of a sudden the rates go against you, if you're, let's assume it's a governmental debt with no risk attached to it in terms of getting p- paid 5, 10, 6 months, whatever long it is ago, uh, you you certainly have risk over the life of the of the instrument. Now, if it's six months, and you know at PTI we've been putting a lot of our clients with any kind of extra cash in six month T bills or three month, mostly all six for now for you know, two three years as they've started to come up. Now, do you have risk on that? Sure. If the if all of a sudden the rates went to double that tomorrow, uh, yeah, you're in you know, you're, 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 you're you're gagging on it for. 
you know, yeah. three, four, five, six months, but it's not, it's not, you know, that that's that's not horrible. Now, but if, we also know that if it's a ten or thirty year note, all of a sudden this thing is going to be trading at, you know, fifty percent of value. And if you've never gone through this, like we did during the early early eighties and late seventies, uh, you. But for guys like Hal and I, this was so damn obvious. So now it doesn't shock us at all that there are banks that bought these things at, say, 100 cents on the buck, and they're trading 70 or yeah. 75. Now, the question is, I, I was actually stunned where if some people don't have to mark them to market because in, in my business, any of our retail people or myself when I was a market maker, if you bought IBM at 100 bucks yesterday and you bought 1,000 shares, well, okay, that's 100,000 bucks. If it's trading 99, guess what? Your account's valued at 99, not 100, because it went down a buck, right? So we were marked yeah. to market, as retail people are. You get your sheets from PTI or Merrill Lynch. Notice how I put the equivalency in there. Uh, you know, PTI and Merrill Lynch, same, same kind of thing. Uh, you, you get marked to market last the night before. Well, these banks don't. So my question to you is, because I don't really know, who exactly owns all this crap? I mean, you somebody owns four and five years of, of 10 and 20 and 30-year bonds that they bought at 100 cents on a buck that are trading 70 or 65 or 75, somewhere in there. Or they're marked there. Maybe they're not, you know, maybe they have to mark, maybe they don't. Who's got it all? I mean, the governments have a whole bunch, and, and they can probably hang in there until it, quote, runs off. Who's got the rest? Is it insurance company? Is it other ba- I can't imagine banks have the 30-year stuff. But what about the, what about yeah. the 30-year stuff? Well, I don't know if they have 30 years. Let's say the 20-year stuff in Europe that people bought at a negative interest. What's that crap? And I use that term explicitly. What is that crap trading for? Forty? Yeah, I don't even know. I mean, my mother-in-law. Here's a great example. My mother-in-law bought a CD for five and a half from one bank. I think it was five and a half from one bank, uh, a six-month CD. And like two weeks later, she was upset with him. I go, "Why are you upset with him?" And she goes, "I just found out I could get uh, like five point eight from this bank." So my, my the one I bought my CD from is ripping me off. I go, Mom, that's not them ripping you off. That's just interest rates moving up. Yeah. So I mean, that's the problem with when you have a situation where uh, the trend is interest rates to continue to rise. And honestly, I think maybe in a year we're going to think that maybe five percent was a bad deal because maybe people are getting. Well, but if it's if it's six now. months, you have six months yeah. you get a chance to reload. Yeah. yeah, you get a chance to reload. That's one reason why. I always tell students in my money and banking class, I which I haven't taught in a while, that I try to explain the expectations theory um, to them. And the expectations theory is that um, if you want to buy a five-year bond, you can buy a five-year bond or you can buy a series of one-year bonds, right, for five consecutive years. And that's why you would average uh, the expected yields, the futures, the yields on these together to get the the five-year yield rate, right? So... Um, yeah, I, I, you know, with all the debt we we're, we've accumulated and interest rates going higher, and the Fed having to pay higher, uh, the Treasury having to pay higher and higher in interest, you know, in a year, you know, what you got your clients into might not look very good, right? So I don't know. I well, mean, but if it's only if it's, I, I, it's only a year, you can roll with yeah. it. My, I guess my question yeah. is, I I don't know who who are. I think it's very dangerous to get into ten years. Oh, without right? a doubt. I, I, Without yeah, a doubt, do not get in a two. Yeah, do not get in a two. I, w- I would wait. I'd I'd, I'd kind of wait to see what happens and just keep rolling your money into a six year or one year. 
What? At most. So who do you th- who do you who do you think out of all the people out there, all the investors? Because I mean, I, I did some work uh, for somebody who was running for office, so I learned a little bit about what the state of Illinois can do. Now, the state of Illinois can at the time could only invest in U.S. Treasuries. All right, so you you, you play the yield curve thing. So if you and I, if you were the treasurer of Iowa, or Matty was, he's from Iowa, and I'm a treasurer of Illinois, we can we can bet ourselves a shot at JMO uh, once a year who'd do better. But it basically was, Matty was smarter than me this year. He did he bought three years and I bought two years. And we we play the yield curve, but the winner is going to be, you know, a tenth of a percent different than the other guy. And the next year it's going to yeah. go the other way. But who exactly? There's because there's people that are forced buyers. I mean, they, I mean the Fed was auctioning ten years off. At ten years off, ten year bonds off. I'm going to say they got down to what one point four, one point five rate. Well, some somebody owns this crap. Now, is it is it insurance companies? Is it uh, some banks? It appears. But where's the rest of it? I mean, there's no way an investment uh, advisor like me put put grandma. Uh, snar into a ten or thirty year bond at one and a half percent. That that wasn't going to happen. I mean, I don't think anybody. Well, there might be somebody who might have done it, but I would never do that. I mean, the only way to go is up, for God's sake. I mean, I, uh, so some somebody is has to be buyers of this stuff. I'm guessing it's pension funds. I'll bet I'll bet it's insurance companies. It's people that have to have by charter. You know, thirty percent of their money in federal bonds or something, or maybe it's people who, uh, when the when the six month was was zero, or, or almost zero, the ten year at one point four percent looked good. But, but I mean, some where do you suppose this huge mass of some of it's with the Fed because they bought a lot of it back, right? So their so their balance sheet is, but at least they probably have a ladder enough thing where so much is rolling off every month. Uh, it's, you know, and they maybe don't. Ex- they 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 still got problems. I mean, if they, what do you think would happen if they marked their balance sheet to market now? But, but I guess my, I'll stick with the same question. Who do you think has it all? Is it insurance companies? Think, is, I, is it pension funds? I think it'd be really interesting if a Republican or Democrat demanded the Fed market their securities to oh, market. Oh, oh God! <laughs> I think you you would have uh, Federal Reserve people squirming on that one. <laughs> what, what do you think would happen if the European Central Bank had it? At least ours never went negative. Yeah, yeah. Well, ours never went negative. Our interest rate never went never ne- went ne- never went negative because the Fed was granted a tool called interest on reserves that was supposed to roll out in 2011, but Congress fast forwarded it in 2008, right when they were debating TARP, and it put a price it put a floor on uh, without interest on reserves. I think our federal funds rate would have went negative. Well, I mean, uh, just again, we'll, we got a few minutes here. I'll go back into the theory of this: is a bond, even when it's issued, a U.S. bond, is well, it's only by a serious luck of the draw that it ever trades at parity. So if it's a hundred, it's a thousand dollar bond, and it's going to pay. Oh, what, 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 hey, whoa, whoa, Tom! Back in uh, the financial crisis, I remember uh, discount bonds selling instead of for you know, uh, you know. At, uh, at a discount, I think thirty day, sixty day, ninety day uh, paper was selling at above the face value, like one hundred three. Well, that's what I'm saying. Instead of one hundred, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, it, oh, okay. it, it never. So the thousand dollar bond, even if it's say it's six percent, a normal bond, yeah. 
the day it's it's auctioned off, it's yeah. going to go off at a market rate. It might go off at yeah. five nine 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 or six zero zero one. It's going to go off at a thousand dollars and and fifty cents or nine ninety nine and fifty cents. I mean, it's never going to yeah. be so. Every every day, of the of the amount of the return you're going to get at the end of ten years, the thousand bucks, and the interest along the way. There's a way to market. Look at that. If the interest rates go up a month from now, it might be trading nine fifty, nine sixty, something like that. There's always going to be a number there. That's that when you buy it, if it's a positive interest, the money you pay for it, the interest you're going to get plus the the the, the coupon amount at the end of ten years, twelve years, twenty years, whatever it is, is going to be a positive number. So when we say a negative interest rate, this thousand dollar bond might actually give you. Well, if it's six percent, it's going to give you what sixty bucks a year, right? Is that right? Yeah, sixty bucks a year for yeah. ten years. Plus, you're going to get your thousand hours back, right? Yeah. So that's going to be six hundred hours plus the thousand. So over the life of the bond, you're going to get uh, sixteen hundred bucks back. Now, granted, there's time premium in there and so forth. So we're saying for something to go negative, you're actually going to have to pay, say, two thousand for that bond. Well, you're not even going to get between the interest and the money back. You're not even going to get it all back. That's a negative interest rate on a bond. Am I correct? Yeah. So people in yeah, Europe, wait, wait, wait. but it's 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 so convoluted. Nobody would even yeah. think that you would pay more for this thing than you ever were going to get in total back, and yet they did. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's what happened during the th- uh, in October and November of 2008. People yeah. were willing to get a hundred dollars in on Tuesday for. The hamburger that cost 103 a few days the weekend before, like you know Popeye, I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger day. Yeah. People are willing, people are willing to pay 103 for a piece of paper that was going to pay them 100 in 30 days. Well, and yeah. I was I was in a pretty good position at that point. I, I had gone pretty safe. Uh, I had I had a uh, uh, I, I went uh, pretty safe, and when people were losing money. They had the money in the stock market. My, I think my my portfolio actually went up uh, during the financial uh, crisis. And in a year and a half, I went from about I think it went from about. Uh, I think my retirement. It's kind of hard to remember exactly, but I think it was about forty. And then by two thousand thirteen, it was up to one hundred forty. Uh, and I was kind of doing the Austrian business cycle thing, right? Really? When when the Fed was being easy, right? I was all in. Right? At the point when the when the when the news couldn't get any worse, I put everything in the S P five hundred, and then I kind of write it up. And when I when I thought that it can't get any better, I'd, I'd just play it safe and I move my money into like safe things, right? Oh, yeah, well, absolutely. And when, when the market dropped like twenty percent, and everybody's talking about how bad it is, I would put it right back in the S P five hundred. So I was kind of playing this Austrian business cycle theory, thinking that's how I discovered it, right? I was like, man, there's got to be a strategy out there, and and that's when I discovered Austrian business cycle theory. Well, I think there's. A lot of differences, like I keep saying, between now and, and the last time. One of them yeah. is more and more of these uh, industries are controlled. I mean, I see the inflation coming through, like in the last month and a half, where if you listen to the, all right, we got inflation, Fed's done this perfectly, they brought it down, we're going to get this soft landing, they got inflation way down. Hell, in the regulated industries, it's just coming through. Last yeah. month, last month, I got a 6% rise in, my, in the gas bills and all the, built, and all the apartments yeah. in my building. Now, this, this last week, you know, everybody knows I'm not a violent man. I'll tell you what, if, if I could take out the AT&T people 
and, and drop them on another planet. I wouldn't hurt them. Just never to come back again. I would do it tomorrow. They they are they're thieves. We have wow. we have. Uh, I mean, Maddie knows. We obviously PTI. We we do the, the show from the PTI offices, and PTI has a you know a big system on their own. That has uh, you know we have all the stuff we do with the clearing firms and everybody like that, and it's all secure and you know as, as secure as you can get it. So for stocks and jacks, I don't want I don't want to go anywhere near there. So we've always had an independent line that just came up and downstairs and plugs into Maddie's computer for stocks and jacks. And in, in a pinch, we could use it for a backup into PTI, but we never, we've only had to do that like once when there was some, I don't know what happened down there with the riots or something. But a year ago, we had a copper line, and I'm paying 70 bucks a month, and it's fine. It never goes down. It's absolutely idiot-proof. They called me yeah. twice a week for six months. Man, we, we're kind of getting rid of the copper, you know, uh, we're going to give you this, whatever the new stuff is, a high-speed cable or something. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to help you out because we don't want your prices to go up and we can maintain your current price. And, oh, by the way, it's got three times the capability on it. Okay, fine. So they put it in there finally after me putting them off for like three years. The bill, instead of going down, is now 130 Okay. <laughs> So I'm you know, so thanks Sounds for like so, the guys yeah. selling floor pedals in New yeah. York City. Yeah, so, so thanks for the help. So then guy calls me two weeks ago and he says, You know, you got a hundred bip line, which we use probably eight bips of. You know, I tell you what I can do. I can give you a five hundred bip line. You, nobody comes to the office, we can do it from here. Uh, and oh by the way, it's the same price. And I go, I don't really need a five hundred bip line. Oh yeah, man, but it's it's so much faster. You, you won't notice you, well, Manny knows we don't we don't need that. That thing can power God knows what. Plus, how do you even check if it really is 500 or not? Who the hell knows? So uh, all of a sudden the thing goes in there, and I get the bill. The bill's now 170 from 130. So I'm going from 70 to 170 in a year. <laughs> and a, and, and the, Now, the lie on there was they claimed that I had a promotional price for the first one, okay, at 130 that is now dropping off. And now I'm getting a promotional price for the 500 at 170, which is the same price as the 100 was going to go to anyway. So I'm actually even. Let me, let me. That that kind of mentality, we need to squeeze it off this earth. How, how yeah. does anybody think I'm even when I'm, I'm triple it in a year? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, they believe it. They believe it. Are, are you still on a promotional price? Oh, I, as as of this month, I'm on this new promotional price that's forty dollars more than the other one. But what what happens when this new promotional price? Uh, well, that's on? a year what from now. I'll be two hundred. You you know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what I'm, what I'm saying is because so much of the of the of the economy now is controlled in monopoly and utilities and everything. Even though the the inflation rate is allegedly coming down somewhat, it might actually just be working through to you. I mean, your electric bill yeah. and your gas bill might actually just be getting getting to you at this point. It's I mean. It's not like you know you, you you look around and say, God, this month no prices have gone up. That's not happening. Yeah. I don't think. Anyway, also, where, where where are you teaching this week? How many schools? Three. Where, where are you actually at? Well, I'm uh, I'm in North Carolina today. I'm set on my I nine, and then uh, I'm going to do my office hours from the campus at, in Greensboro, and then after my office hours are over, I'm going to drive back to the motorhome, spend the night in the motorhome, split up my drive, and then I'll be in New York. Wednesday afternoon, maybe Wednesday morning, I don't want to leave. You mean tomorrow night? You mean Thursday? Thursday. Today's Tuesday. Well, Thursday, well, yeah, Wednesday. I'm, well, today I'm driving back to the motorhome okay. after I do office hours. So I'll be at the motorhome in Virginia for the night, and then I'm going to get up probably 4 o'clock in the morning 
try to miss all the morning traffic into the cities, try to get into uh, Brooklyn by, uh, say, 8, well, maybe 9. And then what Thursday, I teach a three-hour class in microeconomics for Mercy, Mercy University. And then I have a faculty meeting with Mercy on Friday. And I'm meeting with the provost, I think, before or after. Are you thinking maybe. of maybe a Piper Cub? Piper Cub? Like a plane instead of a car? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I... I I, I, the last time I rode a plane, I got stuck in Atlanta for 24 hours. And talk talk about your own plane. Talk about your own plane, flying yourself. Well, uh, I can barely afford my motorhome. Oh, God. All right. Yeah, <laughs> t- take care of yourself, buddy. SP Futures almost all the way back here, only down two now. NASDAQ Futures only down 25. So we're rallying. Hey, I'll talk at you next week. Drive safe, buddy. Uh, back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. That's all, folks.